Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Swiss Pats. I am Don Delco, and joining me, as always, is Susie Lyon. G'day. How you doing, Susie? I'm good. We have a great show. We do. A great show. Our guest this week is Greg Beardwell, who is the co-founder of Connie's Kitchen. Now, if you don't know, Connie's Kitchen makes sugar-free ketchup that is actually really good. Yeah. They're Europe's first organic ketchup. There you go. Yeah. They're based in Zug, and we went out a couple weeks ago, we went out to talk to Greg, so we will have that interview coming up, as well as your opportunity to win some ketchup. Woohoo! So we will. I love exp- a giveaway. We will explain the rules uh, after the interview. Mainly because we haven't come up with the rules yet, right? Right. We'll <laughs> we'll think about that as we listen to Greg's interview. A couple other housekeeping things. We have a post on our Facebook page. You can visit us at facebook.com/swisspats. We are going to have a special guest coming up who is a wine guru. So if you have any questions about wine that you kind of want to ask that you never really knew, believe me, I got thousands and I love drinking wine. Uh, go to our Facebook page and leave a comment. You'll see the uh, the post with the little with the little wine glass filling up. So leave a post and we will ask uh, the question when we interview him. Yes. And finally, we are starting a little something different around here as well. Another podcast of, of what to do. So if you go to our website, swisspats.com, you will see uh, a podcast that's titled what to do in switzerland december 2018 Susie and i sat down and kind of went over some interesting things that are happening this month all throughout switzerland so give it a listen yeah it's a little bit different from our usual podcast but it's uh, a little more on the informative side it is yeah now getting to our regular podcast now back to the old stuff yeah yeah the hits the old stuff so <laughs> as uh, we've established on this podcast Two things. We enjoy talking about food. Yep. And you enjoy talking about things that scare the ever-living shit out of me. Yes. Okay. We're not talking about spiders. Nope. We're not talking about these devil owl things that you sent me that, that I still can't get out of my head. Yep. We're talking about a gentleman who is a fellow American, shout out to Chris Gursky, yep. who came to this fine country on a holiday. From Florida. Or as we say, vacation. <laughs> And Chris thought, I'm in Interlochen, and this looks fun. I want to hang glide. Yeah, normal thought for a normal person. He was hanging. Yeah. <laughs> so this fella's little video has actually gone viral. Yeah. You actually showed this to me. Yeah, it's had – when I showed you, it was, it was like a few hours old, and it from there has blown up. It's been viewed millions of times. So kind of explain people what they could find on this. I think it's like a five-minute video. Yeah, it's about five minutes. So what happened is when you go hang gliding, I guess an option is to, for it to be filmed uh, by a GoPro maybe. Sounds so this probably, is, yeah. this, this particular vi- video, you can see that there's a GoPro at the front and then obviously it's being filmed um, also from behind and that's the, the camera view that you get. And it starts off as uh, as one would with hang gliding at the very beginning. <laughs> and uh, you very quickly learn that the guy is not attached to the instructor. And it is at three solid minutes of the man, Chris, hanging on for dear life 
literally over the mountains in Interlaken. And the hang glider instructor has to do his very best to not like let this guy drop while at the same time as getting to the ground as soon as possible, which isn't easy because the thing gains height pretty, pretty easily, pretty fast. It is. So with the GoPro affixed his back, you get to see actually how high up they go. And he literally, it, it is, you literally watch it with your draw, jaw wide open. I know, I know I I'm, did. Not, I'm not even scared of heights at all. And I made audible noises when I watched it. Like it is scary. He is hanging on by one arm for more than half of this time. The best thing about this video is like, he obviously edited this thing, and he made kind of funny comments. Right. Like, he, he can laugh about it now, and he says he's going to do it again, which more power to you, buddy. That's great. But the I, I please, I'm sure it's anywhere you can find it. you got to go watch this video. Yeah, he's like, check out that view. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was – but seeing the guy just hang on and, and, you know, the heights issue I have such a problem with, especially living here. We've had the story about the gondola that just kind of fell, fell off. Fell to the ground. You yeah. know, this. I'm not gonna, ever going to go hang gliding, but just this idea that this guy was literally, like, as he's, the the, the professional or the, the instructor is trying to land this thing, but they end up going higher as he's holding on. It yeah. is unbelievable. And he yeah. the guy ended up just breaking a few bones. Well, I think, yeah, like, I don't think it was, like, Oh, you know, my thumb got broken. Like yeah. he, his uh, wrist was broken and now has two plates in it, I believe. And um, he tore tendons or ligaments or all of the above in his shoulder from holding on for minutes yeah. while obviously he was holding up his entire body weight. I mean, imagine that grip. Oh, God. <laughs> but when he fell to the ground eventually, when it was very close to the ground, he, he did break his wrist. So he's obviously in good spirits and apparently willing to do it again. But um, now it's going to be investigated by the Swiss Air Aviation or some blah, 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 some sort of official company business authority. Uh, because obviously the man should have been strapped in properly and, and the instructor didn't. But, I mean, he did a good job of not letting the guy fall. <laughs> yeah. But he did a bunch of other things that maybe he should have checked first. Oh, just awful. Just awful. Well, that uh, I, I just recommend you guys go check out this video. And I'll go hang gliding. I'd still do it, even after seeing that. Would you? No. God, You no. wouldn't do it before, though, I would wouldn't you? do it before this video. I would. I'm still not like I still do it. It's a mistake. Like it could have been a deadly one, but it's just a mistake. <laughs> I've seen those guys out there doing it. it. Looks it looks crazy town, but we've established that I don't do crazy town. Yeah. So there you go. One day you'll do something crazy town. What wasn't crazy was heading to Zug, which is a lovely little town. Beautiful and a little town at, at it, that. It was little, but we got to we got to meet Greg. So um, again, at the end of this interview. Listen for uh, a way that you could win some of the ketchup that we talked to Greg about. So coming up, here is Greg Beardwell, co-founder of Connie's Kitchen. And joining us today is Greg Beardwell, who is the co-founder of Connie's Kitchen. Welcome, Greg. Thank you for coming on to the show. Yeah, thank you very much. So you um, co-created Europe's first organic ketchup uh, which is naturally sweetened by fruit and veggies. And I definitely want to talk about that ketchup and um, and how delicious it is. But um, you, you're you a little like me. You're an Aussie. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, yeah, an Aussie from a long time ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like not a recent uh, um, addition to the country, but uh, one that's that's travelled near and far a little like me. Yeah, exactly. So I, I kind of grew up in Albury, which is about three hours north of Melbourne. For the Americans. For the Americans yeah. and the <laughs> others in the room. Um, yeah, and so it's a nice country, country little town, about 30,000 people or so. So nice little growing up in the country, out, out and about in the outdoors. And then, um, then went to university at Mel- in Melbourne and kind of went to the big city, really, the big smoke and kind of had two I guess two lucky things happened to me there kind of one was I met my wife so that was it's always that, a lucky one that was a lucky one yeah <laughs> she'll be listening I'm sure um, and the other one was that I coming out of university I ended up getting a job with um, the chocolate company Cadbury's yeah and uh, we and all you, know and love Cadbury's well yeah. maybe you don't do you I, know Cadbury's the, the one thing I know about them it's the when when I hear Cadbury I think of the egg with the stuff in the middle. Yeah. Oh, Cadbury cream egg. Cadbury yeah. cream egg, yeah, which is very big in the States. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. So, but Cadbury's kind of a, it's a kind of a chocolate institution, isn't it? For, yeah. For the kind of Anglo-Saxon, Australia, New Zealand, India, UK, you know, very big, very big from a chocolate point of view. You kind of grow up with, grow up with Cadbury yeah, chocolate. Yeah, grow up with Cadbury. You can even go on a tour there in Birmingham and, and yeah. all sorts. I love Cadbury's. Yeah, so it's very, very lucky from coming out of university, managed to get a job there working and developing new chocolate products and things. And also Cadbury's was very good to me from training point of view. They trained me very well. And then also they allowed me to move to different countries as well and live in different countries. So I ended up um, working for them in Melbourne for a few years. And then my wife and I, we moved to Auckland, New Zealand, lived in New Zealand for three years um, and did lots of traveling around outdoors in New Zealand, but also, you know, lots of working in the factories there as well for chocolate. And then we ended up moving to London. So to another big smoke um, and um, and worked there for three years as well and then Cadbury's asked we wanted to move to Switzerland so we moved on then to Switzerland to the French side actually so at the time there was an office over on the French side so we lived in near Geneva down in a town called Neon and then about eight years ago or so we moved over here to this side to we live now down near Zug but you know close to Zurich and Lucerne and, and that area so we, with Cadbury's each time it was fantastic to be able to to not only kind of learn new things as you move, but also to, yeah, learn to learn new cultures and countries as well as we went. So I know we're here to talk about ketchup, but there is no way I can move <laughs> um, so quickly from chocolate to uh, to ketchup. No so problem. I'm, I'm, I apologise. I have to do this. I need to know more about it. Now, you developed chocolate for Cadbury's, and yeah. um, before we started recording, I asked you about it. Tell our listeners some of the things that you made, because I bet you... Anyone listening that's from Australia, from the UK, they'll be like, I've eaten that. And like, literally, I'm sitting across from the person who helped create it. Yeah, well, I mean, I worked for, I mean, I worked over a long time, so 17 years or so. So there's quite a lot of projects that I worked on and helped out with and things like that. So, you know, there was, um, I think I mentioned to you, Cadbury Collage, which was, you know, launched in the UK. It also was launched in under Milka, the Milka chocolate brand through Europe as well. So people might know it through through Europe. And then there was um, a product that's out on the market in Germany at the moment called Milka Waves is kind of a flat flat piece of chocolate with half caramel I know chocolate that and half white chocolate. Oh, I yeah. like that one. Yeah, that's very nice as well. And then uh, and I worked on as well on um, Cadbury's with Oreo, Oreo biscuits. So there's a Cadbury's with Oreo biscuits and Milka with Oreo. And then also Marvelous Creations for some time as well, working on the yeah the popping candy and the jellies as well. So all kind of trying to bring, I mean, chocolates are, the basic chocolate is always very good, so people are always very happy. The basic chocolate is trying to bring, I guess, new interest and new new flavors and new 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 experiences to the chocolate to, to people. And how long ago was it that you left 
Cadbury's or left the chocolate world? About 18 months ago or so. So, oh, so, yeah. so does that mean you still have boxes of chocolate that we can go and eat after this? <laughs> well, possibly. That's been the biggest regret from my wife, I think. <laughs> yeah. Susan's always kind of been saying, oh, you know, I used to bring chocolate home very regularly and now it's kind of come to a stop. And as I said, you're going, I'll be going home back to Australia to see the family over Christmas. And uh, yeah, they used to get chocolate, but they're going to get ketchup. <laughs> they're going to get ketchup this year. <laughs> so as someone who's worked in chocolate for almost two decades, I mean, was it do you how do you balance that from someone from the outside thinking oh my god you work in chocolate why don't you must eat it every day and you've done what 40 kilograms since you since you quit <laughs> yeah exactly you become i think you become very choosy about what you eat okay. because you literally can eat whatever you want <laughs> you know right. each day yeah. each day so you become very very choosy and also I must say the, the cafeteria at your office must have been fantastic exactly yeah, yeah no exactly yeah you can and, and you also and you're tasting a lot of competitor products as well of course so new products on the market but you become yeah you become a little bit more um where you say, yeah, highbrow in your chocolate eating if you, sure. you want to make sure that it's, yeah, a little specific piece. Because you can't eat chocolate every, well, I guess you can, but. <laughs> yes, you can. You <laughs> definitely yeah. can. You can, yeah, but, but it's, yeah, you, you do end up, yeah, suddenly getting yeah, into the weight problem, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, as we kind of transition here into to the ketchup world, um, quitting the job or stepping away from that, I mm. mean, was that, talk us through how that, that was for you. Yeah, I mean, I've been working for working in the chocolate world and that product development world, so around food and things for about yeah, 17 years or so. And really, I got to the point where it was kind of it was. I thought it was time. I, I wanted to go off and um, really try to do something for myself, work and create a create a food company for myself. And it was kind of it was it was the right time for for me to step away from from the world of Cadbury and um, and move into something new as well. So it was a it was a, a big decision. So definitely a big decision, but also one that. I'd kind of been thinking about for a couple of years of what I wanted to do and things like that. Things like that. Also, I think you know, um, I'd also had uh, a, a daughter, you know, baby daughter, two year, two year old daughter, which kind of you know changed my thinking a little bit in terms of what I wanted to do life. And then also turned forty as well <laughs> that year. Oh, so it's kind, yeah. So kind of hit hit all those milestones at the one time and thought about what yeah what what would I like to do yeah what would I like to do next. And so yeah, starting my own food company was something that had always been in the back of my mind is a bit of a dream in terms of what I wanted to do and decided to take the plunge and start doing that. So you are the co-founder of Connie's Kitchen that uh, leaves begs the question uh, who's Connie, who's and, Connie um, yeah. and how did how did it come about that you guys uh, got together and, and decided to, to do this as a partnership? Yeah well, I'm, so I met um, I met John who's Connie's um, Connie's husband uh, in uh, when I worked with um, in Cadbury so John and I worked together and um, so we all all ended up getting on very well from a friendship point of view with my wife and Connie and John and we we Connie background is um, she's a nutritionist and a chef so she's been a chef and nutritionist for over 10 years and she's worked a lot with families about how to create simple healthy food for families that they can cook in the evening you know and really just make sure that things are very easy to prepare make sure the kids have all the nutritional balance they want but also things that the parents can you know can make in the 15 20 minutes they after they get home from work and trying to put food on the table so Connie had that background and we decided that we really wanted to kind of, that was a space that Susan and I were very happy with health health and well-being and healthy eating for families is definitely something we were interested in. And so we kind of came together as really, we had this kind of joint vision around creating a healthy family food company that fa families could create everyday food 
um, in, a, in a healthy way. And so Connie, um, we decided to call it Connie's Kitchen because it was, um, Connie's really the face with her background in nutrition. And also at the, the products that we're making are all developed in Connie's Kitchen. So Connie's Kitchen, she's literally where all of the products are made and recipes are developed and things. So we felt it's a very, a very authentic, authentic brand in terms of what we're trying to do. This is all just born over the four of you, just sitting around, yeah. just talking, chocolate. eating chocolate, yeah. eating chocolate, talking about, yeah, talking about, yeah, different, yeah, different aspects. So we kind of built it, built it out of there. We, I mean, we've got very much um, shared lifestyles in terms of outdoor fitness and things. So we're, we're we're up skiing together or hiking together as families, and you know, very much outdoors. The outdoors lifestyle is really very much part of who we are as a couple, yeah. as two couples. So and family. So and then and then. John and Connie went, um, decided to take a year sabbatical and, and go around, around the world with their two, two young boys. So they travelled around Canada and Australia and New Zealand together. And while they were away, we were texting and emailing each other backwards and forwards with different ideas of what products we could launch under, our, under the brand we wanted to create. And it was actually funny, John and Connie were in the South Island of New Zealand on one of the, on one of the sheep farms there. So out, out, in the, out in the sheep farms with the, the lovely um, New Zealand Alps behind, having a barbecue with the family, the farming family. And they kind of got struck by how much ketchup was being eaten <laughs> around, around this barbecue by, by, the, by the farming kids. And, they were, and Connie was kind of, you know, concerned about all of the sugar being eaten <laughs> from, the, from the normal ketchup that, that has. And the, the farm, was, farm was saying, well, that's the, that's the only way I can get them to eat, eat food, really. You know, they, they love the ketchup. It's almost, it's, a, it's another food group down here. Right, <laughs> Which, yeah. um, you know, when you think about it, that's the same in, same in almost all Western, Western countries is the ketchup is the kind of the one food that everyone has. Yeah, I... I um in my house, I, uh, I kind of get annoyed sometimes if I've made something that I think is delicious and my kids want to cover it in ketchup. So I can see, yeah. you know, especially in New Zealand, like eating all that delicious lamb and they're like, well, I need some, some ketchup <laughs> on this. So I guess, um, you know, the idea was born there from her seeing, you know, that, that ketchup eating is, a, is not just, you know, what you and I grew up with. It's kind of the world over. Yeah. What, what happened next? What's the, what's the story to get from... From New Zealand all the way to uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah to, to Zoo. Zoo. yeah yeah so so Connie I mean so Connie and John came back you know with that idea and um, and pretty much we started almost straight away developing recipes and um, working in Connie's kitchen to make sure that we could um, create some ketchups that that were not only we wanted to make sure they were organic so you know healthy but also we didn't want to add any crystallized sugar so no granulated sugar at all added so we wanted to replace it all with um, whole fruits and vegetables. And, um, and we started doing the, that piece of work. So Connie, with her background, background in nutrition and, and her, her chef training, working in restaurants, developed, we, I think we ended up developing over 50 different recipes um, of ketchup that we would taste ourselves, but also, of course, children are the big um, taste, taste um, ambassadors for ketchup. So we made sure that we uh, yeah, had all the neighborhood kids in and you know, doing different tastings of different types of ketchup. So ketchup's a very difficult product to make. It's, it's easy in terms of the actual method and the steps that you go through, but to get the right balance of all of the different ingredients and flavours is very difficult. So ketchup, most people are brought up with um, you know, main brand, main name ketchups that um, have been around since they were children. And so that ketchup taste memory is very strong. So you know what a ketchup tastes like because it tastes like what you had when you were five, six years old, you know, with your family. So we're trying to make sure that 
ketchup we make is not only organic, not only you know sweetened with whole fruits and vegetables, not only healthy, but also children will eat it and like it as well. So it needed to taste like a ketchup. So it was a very, it was a long process to try and get that right. And this, that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons we're the only, we're the only organic ketchup with no added sugar with fruit, whole fruits and vegetables is that it's very difficult to do. And kind of, it's, a, it's a complicated process. Yeah, I want to touch on that because um, my husband and I um, had a, a little bit of a, like a diet that we did. I'm sure you've heard of it, keto, keto diet, which yeah. is basically no sugar, you know, yep. or very, very low sugar. And what I found when I was researching about that, by the way, which I did not last more than four weeks on, <laughs> uh, my husband did much better, um, that, that if something doesn't have sugar, it usually has something else that is a sugar substitute, yeah. uh, which, which is... I'm, I'm guessing which is part of this difficulty that you had because that's not what you've done. Yeah. You, you've not filled yours with some sort of fake sugar or uh, su- no. sugar substitute. No, so there's no. So we have we have the um, the whole fruits and vegetables have sh- natural sugars in them, so they have the fructose in there as well. But you're also getting the minerals and the vitamins and all of the nutrients, the fibre from the fruits and vegetables. So it's so it still has naturally occurring sugars in there. Um, but what a lot of companies will do is they'll um, they'll take out the sugar and as you say they'll put in artificial sweeteners like aspartam or natural sweeteners like stevia or they'll put in um, agave syrup or apple juice which are basically just sugars by any other name or some some companies put honey in as well you know to sweeten so what you're getting then is you're getting you're getting just basically pure sugar or you're getting the sugar hit that um, but without any of the added benefits of the nutrients and things Mm -hmm. you're just basically getting empty calories straight in and the scary thing too is like for parents you want to shop you're you're walking through the aisles and you're like okay i want to i don't want to get the regular ketchup because it's got this bad stuff this label says no sugar or no sugar added or it's like and you're like wow this is great but then if you really look at the label that you they fill it with those things like that which is just it's still not good yeah i think and and also what you also find is those ones the parents will buy it you know with the best intentions in the world bring it home and then it it doesn't it won't get eaten by the children (laughs) it's usually the parents who end up having to eat and finish the bottle because the children won't like it because it does it does those artificial flavors or the honey or the agave syrup that the children it doesn't taste like a normal ketchup it tastes it does taste artificial it tastes tastes yeah. different to what they're used to so it's trying to find that balance of keeping the healthiness there with the fruits and the vegetables but also that flavor profile back to yeah a normal ketchup is was very difficult so when connie finally hit the hit the got the recipe this is yep. it you tried it on the kids they didn't spit it out <laughs> they, they liked it what was the next step once you had that ketchup? Well, we, we started working with um, a co-manufacturing partner, so a, a, a factory partner here in Switzerland. So we worked with um, a very high quality organic company that, um, that's based near Bern. And um, we wanted to really um, you know, work with them, build up a good, so we had to develop the recipe and take the recipe to a larger scale, if you like, from, from the, the kitchen scale to a larger, larger scale. So we worked with them for, for two to three months to develop and make sure the recipe still tasted the same when it was bigger, when it was in a larger scale. And then we um, started, and we basically made the product then with them, made, made our first, first round of about 700, 800 bottles of ketchup. Um, at the time seemed like quite a lot for us. And and then we started started um, selling them ourselves. So um, the team, all of us, John, Connie, Susan, and myself, would would go out into the 
health food stores, the Metzgerais, all of the places here in Switzerland that we knew, and um, and start to start to try and sell out sell our ketchup. It's it's you know when you hear these people who try to start their own business or doing this, like it is inspiring. But I I, I got to imagine like you're sitting there, they deliver you 800 bottles of ketchup, and you're like. Shit! Now we get now what? You know, <laughs> exactly. Like I have all these bottles of ketchup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, actually, yeah. And so, so you do. You kind of, and that's a good. It's it's kind of good to have that pressure, I guess, as well. Right, yeah. Suddenly, you've got this. Yeah, you've got all this ketchup. You need to you need to sell, or you need to you need to move on. So, um, yeah. But we we found that we were very lucky. That first that first order went within two to three weeks. That first round, the stores we went into, everyone was so excited about the product and. Once it was in the stores, it was reselling so quickly that we ended up, yeah, we ended up being able to do more and more, you know, more and more production as, as we went. So it was, and we, I mean, we've grown now to the size where we're in about 26, 27 different stores around Zurich, Lucerne and Zug. And um, also selling online as well through partners that we have, through um, Fresh Market, Any Working Mum, other partners online, also through our own website as well. So it's grown and people... Um, we're getting very positive feedback around the flavour and the taste as well. So a lot of people, they um, they don't eat ketchup, or they or they they the ketchup is a kind of necessary evil in the household for the parents for for children. And um, but then when they're tasting our ketchup, they they understand the healthier healthier aspects to it, but also the flavour. They're starting to buy. Yeah, they're back into buying ketchup again. So yeah. So one of the um, things that obviously with when you're selling a food product is that you know people have to be able to try it um, or, or, or kind of trust that they're going to enjoy it. How, did you do you find that it's difficult to kind of sell yourself and your product like in front of people if you go and you know maybe have a stand and you're like try this? Is that uh, for me? I I like. I think, oh my gosh, I'd be so nervous about having to do that and, yeah. and being in front of people. But I mean, how, how have you and Connie found doing that? I think that's been one of the areas we've learned quite a lot around sales sale side of things and also, yeah, as you say, being trying to taste, give people tastings and things. And it's really, um, it's really you, something you just kind of push yourself into. Again, because you've got 700 bottles <laughs> sitting there yeah, that, you need, that you need to sell. But also you find that, you know, um, what, what I've found especially was that once you once you take the first step and you're in there, the talking to people in stores, to the owners of the stores, or the um, people at whether it's a trade show or outside, you know, shops in Market Haller or wherever you might be, people are very happy to talk to you because ketchup, ketchup also has this pull of everybody's got a ketchup story they like to tell you about. So everyone, it's a product that everybody knows. It's similar to chocolate actually. When you start talking to people about chocolate, everyone's got a chocolate story they they would like to. Ketchup's the same. People people will tell you how whether how their children have ketchup or whether you know how they used to have it as kids as well so ketchup's a very warm there's a lot of nostalgia and warmth around ketchup and so people are very happy to taste and and try and very positive as well you know the, the I find the uh, here in Switzerland especially you know people are they're very happy that you're you might be an expat here here in the country but you're starting a business you're adding value back to the country and they're very very excited to be part of that and you know and buy the product and be able to tell tell your story to their friends as well and as they when they hand it over at the barbecue <laughs> so I was gonna ask that between you know the, the clientele that are the expats and those that are the Swiss now you know whether it's Australia UK America as parents especially nowadays we're so you're very conscious about what you're feeding your kids. Um, it wasn't the case back in the 80s when, here, eat this stuff. And like, ma, this is terrible for you now. Like when I'm trying to break that through my parents, like, yeah. don't feed my kids that. It's garbage. <laughs> 
But what are the are the, the Swiss people like? I mean, are they because there's some things that the Swiss can kind of be behind the times on. But are they the parents or the local people? Are they really kind of is there that movement too of like trying to find that better alternatives of of food for themselves and their kids? Yeah, I mean, Switzerland has one of the highest levels of organic food consumption of anywhere in the world. So they they really? they love yeah they. Organic food is um, very high. A high percentage of people eat organic here in Switzerland. So, so that's our products organic as well. Um, it's our products actually. Um, it's a level of organic called Bio Canuspa, which is actually the higher than the standard organic level as well. So that's kind of there's even higher regulations on what you can add to the soils and the and the, the vegetables and the fruits with with Bio Canuspa. So, so we've we've got the Bio Canuspa label. So consume the Swiss are very happy already with you know you've got that. Bio Canuspa level, the, the the organic level, and then also, and they are very much looking for healthy alternatives. They're very into fresh food and um, you know things like that. So very, when you start to talk to them about fruits and vegetables and things, they they automatically they understand straight away. It's got okay, you've got the fiber, the vitamins. You know, they're almost telling us what, okay. <laughs> why why the product's good <laughs> than the other way around. So the Swiss have a very high education around food, and I think that's part of the. You know, the Switzerland's very much based around, you know, the farming, the local farms. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, Hofladens and local farm shops and things like that that people will buy fresh fruit and vegetables from and health food shops, delicatessens and things like that. So the Swiss are very, very into, yeah, that type of freshness and food. I just want to touch on briefly, um, because you've done this, Connie's Kitchen is, you know, a kind of partnership between uh, you and your wife and Connie and her husband. Hmm. Um and starting a business uh, in Switzerland, we, we usually speak to people who've, who've started a business on their own, yeah. you know, just as an individual person. And their stories are always, you know, like it's, it's hard. Yeah. So uh, did that add any extra challenges as doing it as, you know, as a foursome or did that make it easier? I think it's... It I think overall definitely made it easier. You, I think what we've done, what we managed to do very well early on was set up um, what what our roles and responsibilities were, and and through you know some of this is through luck is that we're we we seem to be all very talented in different areas, <laughs> very very skilled in different areas, which has been fantastic, you know, and then also there's just been a very strong across the four of us, we've all got a very strong willingness to work together but then also to um, you know we're all aiming for the same vision and and what we want to do is you know help people eat healthily in their everyday family foods so the vision having the vision the clear vision to begin with helps us through that it's um so and and I think as well you know when you've got other people to um, you can you've got people to rely on and people to you know shoulder to cry on sometimes when things aren't going well but also people to high five when things are going very well as well so I think you know definitely overall it helps to do that and I think you just need to spend the time early on talking through what what you want from the business what what a what would you what do you want to do as part of the business and how to actually make sure that meshes together in the right way it's a it's a very starting a business changes every week you know, in terms of what you're having to do. You're, you're, you're doing things that, you're not just selling ketchup, you're, you know, setting up an online shop, you're, you know, having to work out how to talk to Swiss Post to actually set up the postal systems. You know, you're doing all of these different levels of work that, um, yeah, so it's, it's a very high stress, exciting time, but you need to have, it's helpful having people around you to actually be able to like, you know, yeah, rely on, pull together, pick up bits of pieces of work that you can't do or you don't necessarily, aren't excited about doing. So it's been good, it's been very good from that point of view. Yeah. So we have the ketchup. Yes. Um, what, 
what else is Connie's Kitchen? I guess what is the uh, the future? What is where, where where are you guys going with with Connie's Kitchen? Yeah, I mean, so at the moment, as I said, we're kind of in the Germ- Germanic part of Switzerland, the Zurich Lucerne Zug. We're really looking to expand out into the rest of Switzerland. So we have online sales now across the whole of Switzerland, so people can buy online. But we want to be in more stores across, you know, especially up in Basel, where 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 we're, we're missing missing a link at the moment, but then also across into the French side. So that's definitely you know the strategy we're playing at the moment is how can we get into the whole of Switzerland um, also working on other we've got some new products coming up as well in the new year as well which I can't tell you more about but they're very exciting Ooh, very much secret. Still, it's, yeah, it's yeah, a tease secret, yeah, I like yeah. it very much still still on the same lines of you know no added sugar you know sweetened with fruits and vegetables but you know playing into that different space slightly different spaces and products that people have on, around the barbecue and around around home just means we'll have to have you back on <laughs> exactly that's right I'll make sure we, we send you some send you some samples to, to try as well exactly. when they're so they'll be com- they'll be coming in the new year as well so but I mean we've got Connie's kitchen is um, you know our first product is ketchup but we're very much we've got plans big plans of you know other products around everyday you know family goodness so foods that you have in your house that at the moment aren't necessarily the most healthiest versions of what they should be. Okay, so if um, if people want to get a, a bottle of your ketchup, yes, let us know how to do it. <laughs> so the best place for people to go is really to our website, which is Connie'sKitchen.ch, and um, there it has we have all of the information around which stores we are in around around Zurich, Lucerne, and Zug, and a bit further afield. And then also um, we're online as well, so we sell online through our own website, so you can buy online there. But also we've got some fantastic online partners. So we have anyworkingmum.com, we have freshmarket.ch, we have the Grill Sheriff are also selling online. So we have all of fabulous vegan vegan shop online, fabulous.ch. So we have all these online areas you can buy across the whole of Switzerland as well. So yeah, just encourage people to go to our website, have a look at all the different options are there. Follow us on Instagram. We have Connie post some fantastic recipes, you know, day-to-day recipes um, on Instagram, as well as we show some of the outdoor hikes we've been doing and things like that as a family, so that healthy, healthy lifestyle piece yeah. as well. Yeah, I actually uh, got a soup from um, from Connie's Kitchen's oh. Instagram page. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah, yeah you're, no. you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. Uh, very quickly, we didn't actually mention, the, the sauce is actually gluten-free and vegan as well. That's right, yeah, so totally gluten-free, nothing, no additives, we don't have any additives, no preservatives in there, so it's all, it's basically just, just yeah, fruits and vegetables and yes and a little bit of vinegar for taste but yeah that's it it's very very simple product well i've tasted it and i think it's great and um greg thank you so much for coming on before we go just because we're both australian i want to know is there anyone you want to give a shout out to in albury Oh, I think back to my parents in Albury, my brothers in Melbourne. You know, all of the all of the family family back home. It's fantastic. Yeah, I'll be seeing them in Christmas time very soon. Yeah, we love having our listeners listening in Australia. So yeah, yeah definitely. Thank you, Greg, for, for coming on. And um, if you want to check out the Connie's Kitchen and try the ketchup, then we highly recommend it, don't we, Don? We do. Thank you very much. Thank you, Greg, for coming on Swiss Pats. We really appreciate it. Now, if you want to win those bottles of ketchup for yourself, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page, our Instagram page, or our Twitter page, and leave us a comment telling us uh, what you like to use your ketchup for, or what you like to dip in your ketchup. And, you know, if you like to just eat it with your fingers, that's fine. Be creative. Yeah, some people do. Some people like to just drink it. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.
I would drink Connie's. It's delicious. It is pretty good. Uh, Before we get on to some more news, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our friend Jonathan Martin, who is, now I know I'm going to do this incorrectly, Shopshire, a Shopshire lad in Switzerland. Yeah, or for the people who speak proper English, Shropshire. Thank you. So you could find uh, his his Facebook feed, which is, I tell you what, we love we love it because he is constantly updating with all the latest news, not just kind of the goofy stuff we talk about, and even some of the serious things that are happening in Switzerland. So give his Facebook page a follow. You could find it at uh, Shropshire. That is, you want to spell that for me there, Susie? S-H-R-O-P-S-H-I-R-E. Lad in Switzerland. There you go. Yeah. So check out Jonathan's Facebook page. Give his page a like and uh, give ours well, a like as well while you're at it. Yeah, we'll put a link in uh, the, the Facebook page so you can go straight to it. Okay, so uh, changing gears. We're sticking with food. We're talking about ketchup. We always ketchup. do. We always do. So the, there is a, the, the Swiss airline is giving passengers uh, beginning uh, this month the chance to join the Mile High Club. Mm. Now, caveat, the Mile High Fondue Club. Right. So you could eat fondue on the aeroplane. I, I'm not a fan of us talking about it like the Mile High Club way it's like cheese fondue the mile high club it's like those two things don't seem to mix to me it no seems to be like there's a disconnect for me especially after you eat fondue that's... <laughs> yeah. it's like not on not not happening but you can soon get fondue on swiss flights which i think is i don't know it's not it's not where i would choose to eat fondue no they there was this whole i think I don't know if it was like an experiment or whatever, but they've said that food on airplanes just doesn't taste good because of the altitude or whatever. Right. Am I making that up? You're looking no, at me like I'm making that up. You could be, but also food on just planes just suck. And it I, does. I always just assumed it was... Actually, I'm not sure what I assumed with airplane food, just because they make so much of it. It's not good. How many times do you like... On an airplane, you see the menu and you're like, man, that sandwich looks delicious. I'm starving. You order it. Ugh. And it's like, why did I do that? This is disgusting. I have a problem with sandwiches in general, not just, Excuse on, me? Not just on airplanes. Give me, just give me a minute to explain okay. before you like get all uppity at me. I, I love sandwiches. I okay. really do. I, I love sandwiches. But what I like is I like when I can go and get a sandwich made exactly how I like it, which you can't really do here. Have you ever found somewhere yes oh talk to me when we're done okay I'll, I'll tell you some places all right all right now what i don't like is when i pick up a sandwich that i think looks good or i see a sandwich on a menu and i'm like yeah that looks good and i i'm gonna order that and then it comes and it's full of things i hate <laughs> like onions okay horseradish radishes yeah and pickles doesn't sound like a delicious sandwich, oh and mustard mustard if it's got those things on it i'm not happy just dip it in some connie's ketchup you're good to go well there's that but i just don't want all of that other stuff i just and i get mad if i like didn't see or it doesn't say on the menu that it has sometimes they sneak it in there right yeah it's like oh there's this delicious sandwich and then you get it and it's got 600 pickles on it and i know i'm in the minority because a lot of people like pickles especially in this part of the world I don't, and I want my sandwiches to be pickle-free. 
Yeah, they kind of they're smaller pickles too. They kind of sneak them in. Yeah, that I have them hanging out the side so I can make an informed decision beforehand. Now, you do like the fondue sandwich that we get at the Herps Mesa here in Basel. Yeah, delicious. But this fondue on the flight is actual true fondue. It's accompanied with a charcuterie board, and I just... Yeah, like they're doing this like for real. It's like (laughs) fancy cheeses. Gotta say, if there's turbulence, that could be dangerous. That's some hot cheese. (laughs) Yeah, bouncing around they're the... gonna do it it's gonna be individual oh god it's gonna smell oh oh yeah and it smells <laughs> if i'm sitting on a flight none of this is a good idea guy next to me orders i'd be like sir can you please uh, take your shoes off just put the cheese away maybe it's a up uh what do, what do they call it like business class or first class thing maybe say no yeah, I mean, Swiss Air, I'm not sure what you're thinking. I, I mean, I it's not something I would order as much as I love fondue. Yeah, we're going to go with a hard pass on that. All right, we got one more before we get out of here. Yes, we do. Now, we speak English. We don't poorly. Speak, yes, yes. <laughs> we both poorly speak English, but we speak even worse German. Yes. We are bad expats, yes. you and I. That has already been established many, many times over. But... Not all, you know, people who live here would uh, be so, uh, you know, they'd be a little bit more open to the learning the German and they, they put themselves into it. So you could be a uh, an expat and you could go to university here because you're, you know, a, a good person who, who does what they're supposed to do. Smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, smart. Not, not you or not me. So no. Not even verbalizing this in English very no. well. There is a man in, uh, well, it's a, it doesn't even say if it's a man. There is a person who is mad that English is spoken at the University of Zurich. And he has filed uh, an initiative that English be banned at the university because he's mad or she is mad that English is spoken. Now, it is true that English is not an official language of Switzerland. We've discussed that this before. There is four official languages. As far as I can tell from this initiative, he's not banning French or Italian. He doesn't want French or Italian banned. He just wants English banned and says because it's not an official language um, and that this is the main reason. The, the Albert Einstein wrote his dissertation in German and so therefore the University of Zurich should only have German as a language. So there you go. Um, what do you think? Well... This is a little tricky because I I find it, especially since coming over here and, and growing up, all I ever knew was English, and you're just surrounded by it. You didn't have to worry about other languages, and people would come to the United States, and they would struggle with language, and you'd be like, all right, come on. I mean, you know, can't you kind of try and learn some English? But I understand that other side wholeheartedly now right as far as trying to learn another language and and I'm trying as much as I can but this seems a little overboard uh I I understand that guy you know he wants to preserve or keep that that German language kind of heritage especially at the university level but I think what he's missing is is on a worldwide level English is becoming the kind of the lang- the common language, right? Everywhere. And 
I won't be surprised if Switzerland comes around and makes it one of their languages at some point. Right. You find it more and more, and you talk to people here in the German-speaking areas of Switzerland, how they say even in the last 10, 15 years, how many more people are speaking English. You go to places like Paris, which is like notorious for like, well, they just speak French. Right. But you talk to people, again, over that last decade or so. Yeah. English is becoming more and more prevalent. Yeah, we've even had like those guests that have come on who have been here for, you know, much longer than we have where they came here when no one spoke English. Like we're speaking, like they had no choice but to to learn German. They don't have the easy life that we have where it's like, Yeah. And we just start speaking English. That's too light. But it's, it's these people who are, are at university or who are hoping to go on bigger and better things, like English is going to be a part of what they speak and what they need. Banning it completely. I know. Like just don't take German – just don't take the, the classes that are in English if you don't want to do it in yeah. English. Just, I mean I bet you – I mean I haven't researched this that much. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Uh, but I bet you the classes that are available in English are probably available in German as well. Probably. And the people that are probably taking the English classes are probably not even the English-speaking people. Probably the Swiss. Right. So this, what's his bloody problem? I don't know. So there was a, they did a poll. This newspaper did a poll. I know. Like, the poll is hilarious <laughs> to me. Uh, shows that of the 1,056 people asked if only German should be allowed at the university, nearly 78% said no. Right, and 2% said, I don't care. <laughs> right. Leave me alone. Stop asking me stupid questions. I think I'd be in that 2%. Right? Yeah, 20% said yes, but... 20% is still pretty high. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. 20% of people are in, you know... 20% is a pretty high number to be in support of something like banning a language. I mean, what has ever come positively out of banning things? Right, it's just... Yeah, exactly. Like, let's burn alcohol. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Like, let's ban, you know, everything that gets banned is You're always... You're not allowed to date guys that ride motorcycles and have tattoos. And I look at your husband. He yeah, exactly. rides motorcycles and has tattoos. My He's in the Hells Angels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's uh, nothing good ever comes from just banning things. And as they interviewed the president of the, uh, the student organization, uh, and he basically said, look... Just because English is used, it's not going to replace German as the primary language at the University of Zurich. Exactly, and I agree with you. Right. Yeah. There's room for both. Yeah. Inclusivity. Inclusivity. Is that the right word? Why'd you assume it was a guy? You're right, but... I mean, I mean, it could be a woman. It could be anyone. I, I just assume it's a guy because it does seem just some like... grumpy old guy. Yeah, just sometimes I, you see these things that where people are grumpy and it's kind of always men but that's me just being sexist i guess i mean a man was grumpy at me today because i looked right before i looked left when i was crossing the road and he jollily yelled at me so he didn't yell in a very aggressive way but he was informing me with a slight smile on his face that i should always look left first and then right obviously he said this in german i had to give my daughter to translate uh and i was like (laughs) okay danke like before I had the translation, so I like was like giving him a big smile and waving at him, like "Thank you for the tip." And then I was like, "Nora, what did he say?" She was like, "Uh, this is what he said." So yeah, the, you know, there was no need for him to tell me that. I looked both ways. It's okay, mate. 
I, I looked both ways and then I crossed. I wasn't looking as I crossed. Yeah, why, who cares when you start? If you look both ways and then go. Right. That's what I mean. That was a grumpy old man. Yeah. Yeah. I th- I'm, this is speculation, but I'm pretty sure he was annoyed at me that my kids walked in front of him. Oh, so I think he was. Story. Yeah. So I think he was like trying to find something. That's what I think. I don't know for sure. I mean, there's millions of these interactions with Swiss people that I'm not sure what the real. Maybe he was just really friendly. Yeah, but see, that's the problem with like. As we're learning the language and and we're both trying, I mean, we're both trying to learn more, or at least I am, I don't know. But like yesterday I was having, I decided to have lunch at this little shop in Germany and like the woman, basically it boiled down to, I sat down too late and I couldn't order off the lunch menu, right? And then she came back to tell me I could, but then I can't order what I wanted. And I was trying to do it all in German. She wasn't speaking any English. But I felt like she was yelling at me. Like I felt I was being scolded at the entire time. And it made me really uncomfortable. And I didn't like it. And she might not have been. She just, whatever. But you just get that feeling of like, you were like <laughs> hunching down like, oh, I got in trouble. Yeah, I never feel like, like I'm in trouble. I do. I don't like that feeling. Even when I am in trouble. You're never wrong. Yeah, so... It's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining us for another edition of Swiss Pats. Um, you could find us on our social media channels. Again, as a reminder, uh, our this week's guest was, was Greg Beardwell, who is the co-founder of Connie's Kitchen. And if you go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Swiss Pats, or Instagram at Swiss Pats, or Twitter at Swiss Pats Pod, and comment on the post for this episode about what you like to dip in ketchup, you will be entered to win a bottle of Connie's and yeah. try it for the holiday season. Uh, both Susie and I found tried it. We tested it on our kids. It's it creates smiles. It's good stuff and it's sugar free. So that's awesome. Um, that does it. That's it. Yep. So listed all the social media. I did it all. It takes like ten minutes nowadays to to list all the social media. Yeah. Well, for Susie, I'm Don. Thanks for joining us. See you later. Yummy, bonkers, they're all